Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Hello, uh, folks. Uh, welcome to another episode of uh, Wisdom of Friends, and I'm your host, Cal Ross. And today I'm really delighted and excited to be introducing you to Prema Lee Guerreri. Prema guides and teaches entrepreneurs, visionaries, and change agents to lead with their unique divine gifts and talents, and fully align with their purpose and passion to create wealth for themselves and the world simply by being who they are and doing what they love to do. She's also a multi-award-winning author of Your Sacred Wealth Code, Unlock Your Soul's Blueprint for Purpose and Prosperity. Friends, uh, in this episode, Prema and I talk about accessing your state of abundance and prosperity. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. So without further ado, let's welcome the one and only Prema Lee Guerreri. So, uh, hello, Prima. Welcome to another uh, episode and season of uh, Wisdom of French. I'm really excited that you took the time to be on this program. And I'm excited that you'll be sharing uh, some of your wisdom as a soul advisor and a Vedic astrologer with our audience. And I'm uh, looking forward to it. So, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Cal. I'm really happy to be here. Great. And uh, one of the ways, uh, Prema, we kick off our show is by asking our guests a simple yet profound question, and that is, what is your favorite quotation or philosophy that you live by, and how have you applied it in your life? So I really believe that all the answers that we are seeking are accessed and available within us. And so I really take a stand for that, not only in my own life, and my own journey has led me through that, but for others and helping others access those answers within. And that is through a deep connection with the heart and being able to tune in and listen in and sometimes ask the right questions, but really being open to hearing, feeling, seeing the right answers or having uh, the divine kick your feet in the right direction. That's really nice and uh, sounds like, and you know, I've, uh, you know, we met like a couple of uh, months ago at the East West Bookstore <clears throat> where you were doing your presentation. Uh, and what I took away from uh, just watching you speak and give your talk is that you're really very intuitive and, uh, you know, you follow the internal GPS, if you will, the global positioning system or guidance uh, system within. And you also help a lot of other people find <clears throat> their own soul print. Uh, so I'm really curious about how did you get started in this? Uh, because one of the ways, uh, one of the questions that we often get from our audience is, you know, how do you find your calling? How do you find your passion? It sounds like you really uh, found your calling, helping others uh, find their calling. So, yeah. t- so so, tell me, how did this journey began? Did you always know this is what you wanted to do or how did that come about? Well, if we go way back, no, this is not what I, I didn't know that this is what I wanted to do. I actually wanted to work with animals and I've always been an animal lover and I'm, you know, I'm a garden and have animals and children and grow things. Uh, but I was also always very intuitive uh, as I believe we all are to some degree as, as a young girl and a, and a young adult growing up 
And I was just put in a lot of situations where the adults, there wasn't any adults around to help me out. And it seemed like the answers would just come, like I would get the guidance of what to do. And I wasn't thinking of it in those terms when I was younger, but I knew that I would always find a way or a way would show up for me. And that sort of led me to, in my teen years, I was just turned on to spirituality. So I started reading spiritual texts and things, and uh, I went to different churches. I was kind of the only family uh, person in my family who did, uh, just because I was curious. I'm like, what's there must be something else going on here. And I ended up living on my own very young, just the way my parents got divorced and the way life went on. Uh, and I got really interested in the yogic tradition and started taking yoga and found I just loved how there was the mix of spirituality and sort of practical, like, how, what, what are we going to do with this? You know, whether it was doing a yoga posture, and there's, as you well know, there's many branches of yoga. I won't go down that pathway just right now for you. But uh, that really opened me up to that. There's others who have been sort of walking an inner path, so to speak, for for many, many, many years before me, which gave me um, a lot of, I, I want to say a lot of confidence, actually, uh, but also really nourished me and continues to on that seeker side of myself, uh, which led me to being a yoga teacher and eventually a Vedic astrologer and an energy practitioner um, as well. No, that is really great. And uh, you mentioned you grew up uh, around animals. And I was reading your profile and you said like horses. That's where you uh, really spend a lot of your time growing up. So my question, and I'm curious, what were some of the lessons you learned by being around horses? Anything well, that comes to mind? Yeah, you know, and I, there's so many great lessons. And it was interesting because as much as I loved them, I was my the first time my parents ever took us to go horseback riding, I I was petrified. I couldn't get on the horse and I had two sisters and they all, and they all went horseback riding and I was left with the, the ranch hand and he was so wonderful. He just kind of sat me up on the, the, the edge of the corral there. And, you know, within 15 minutes he had me on that horse and I was ready. I was riding for a lifetime since. Uh, so the, I think that one of the biggest lessons is trust and a horse can really tell when you're trustable and when you're not trustable. Mm. Uh, and I always say with um, animals, you kind of have to be squeaky clean because they can really, you know, like, uh, what is that movie, Jerry Maguire, where it says bees can smell fear. And it's very true. <laughs> uh, I really learned how to, on a physical level, uh, my first horse was a Mustang. And she was very stubborn, but incredibly loyal. Again, if you were trustworthy, if you earned her trust, she would do whatever you needed for her, for, you know, ever wanted her to do. And I learned how to be incredibly sure-footed. I'm a great hiker. I know where I'm putting my, I'm grounded. I know how to put my feet on the ground and, and know where I am. Uh, and a really great sense of direction too. And also I just want to say like just loyalty, like that loyalty that, you know, when you care for someone or some, you know, another being, um, that, that love, that unconditional love you get in return, which we get with people, but animals, there's just a special brand of unconditional love. <clears throat> No, that is uh, really great. Uh, <clears throat> you know, we had uh, one of our guests uh, not too long ago, John O'Leary. Uh, he was a presidential candidate uh, actually in the 60s, and he was one of those uh, transcendental meditational uh, uh, devotee, if you will, and he ran for presidency. And one of the things that he was he, early on in his career he did was he would interview all these people on a public TV show. 
And interestingly, he had once upon a time, like trainers, horse trainers uh, that were generational apart. So like he would actually have like one generation of uh, horse trainer training the next generation who would train the animals. So it was like a multi-generational coaching going on simultaneously. And he tells that beautiful story about, you know, how that was one of the biggest lessons that he learned about, you know, being with animals and gaining some leadership and coaching from it. So that's really, uh, uh, you know, critical that you share that uh, being around animals can teach you a lot. Well, I have a client who does, she is a horse whisperer in her own sense, but a people whisperer because she works with, you know, with leadership and, and people with um, with her horses to help them with with leadership. And uh, it's 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 a really a, a beautiful thing. Uh, the last thing I'll say about the horses is from a horse trainer a little later on in life when I had already had children, my children were very young, um, from a horse whisperer, I was reading his book. It was, uh, I believe, Tom Dorrance. And he would say, fix it up so they could find it. And what he meant by that is fix up the environment, fix up the conditions so that the, it just makes it so easy for the horse or the child or the client to to move in the direction that you, you want them to go, but it's really best for them. So I took that into my parenting years, fix it up so they could find it. <laughs> no, that's great. And uh, for the benefit of the audience here, uh, Prema guides and teaches entrepreneurs, visionaries, and change agents to lead with their unique high value gifts and fully align with their purpose and passion so that they can create a world for themselves and the world simply by being who they are and doing what they love to do. So my question to you, Prima, is if somebody is listening to this podcast right now and is thinking about trying to find a calling, trying to find their, you know, trying to get in touch with their inner self or inner voice, if you will, you know, what would you advise them? What would you say? Like, where do they even begin? Like, they, you know, what's what kind of because when you listen to your inner voice, there's always a negative voice that sometimes can keep on chattering the monkey mind, if you will. But then there is also the deeper spiritual voice that's your soul's calling, as you say. Uh, so how does one distinguish between the two and how does one go about finding what is it that is their soul's true calling? Yeah. Okay. So two really great big questions. So the first one, how do you distinguish between the two? They be, When you start to really listen in, they're, they're, they're two distinct voices. And your voice of your soul, you're going to access from your and through your heart. And we can do that very intentionally and that it happens also very naturally. The voice of your mind, and the mind is a slippery place. The mind is an amazing tool. And we really want to be using our minds as a tool that follows the wisdom of our soul, the wisdom of our heart. But also, as we know, the mind can tell us, you know, eat that piece of chocolate cake and then beat you up for eating it, right? The mind is, it has both sides to it. So that ego voice, or like I like to say, the shadow voice, that can lead you in a lot of different directions that isn't necessarily trustworthy. That voice you aren't going to find in the heart. And I'm actually going to help us take this a little deeper really quickly here. When we tune into our hearts, and we can do that very, very easily, uh, when we're, if the answers the, that we um, access there, or like if we ask direct questions, the answers are going to feel like they just sort of float up or they just sort of are there. When they're coming from that questioning mind, uh, it's going to, we're going to have to, we're going to feel like we're trying to pull them down from our heads, or there's going to be a question mark like, 
huh, is that really true? The soul and the heart only speak in positive terms. So what I mean by that is they, it doesn't say necessarily, well, you really shouldn't do that. It, it'll say more so, oh, look over here. Um, yes, go, you know, do that. It'll speak in those, those types of positive terms instead of, um, terms that would make you, that are fear-based and make you question. So those are some distinctions around that. And this will just take a minute. And if, if as long as you're not driving, you can close your eyes. And if you are driving, you can keep your eyes open and do this as well. If you have a hand free, you can just put your hand on your heart and take a couple of deep breaths in and out through your heart. We can do this in a longer, deeper way, but you can do this this quickly and really touch in to like I like to call your truth or your inner voice. And take another deep breath in and out through your heart. And we're going to use a question that I call the back door to the soul. And the question would be, if I tell myself the truth, and then you get to fill in the blank, if I tell myself the truth about, maybe it's something about your career, or maybe it's something about a, a relationship, or something about, like we're talking about your purpose, your work in the world, about my work in the world, if I tell myself the truth, what might that be? And just listen in for a moment. And just notice what comes up for you. And, you know, inner voices have a lot of different ways that they come up. So you might be auditory. You might actually hear something very distinct. You might be someone who's more sensory and you, you have a sense of something. And then you might articulate that in words. Or you might be visual and you might sort of see a symbol or see an image or reflect on a memory. And then you, you would, you would translate that, but you will know how to translate your own inner language. No, that's a really powerful exercise right there. So let me ask you this. Would this process work when you have to make some tough decisions in life? And for instance, let's say if you're trying to relocate or if you're trying to uh, get married or get divorced or if you're trying to hire or fire someone, would you still recommend that uh, people follow this process? Absolutely. And in fact, in my book, Your Sacred Wealth Code, I actually teach this in depth in, in just within a page or two and even have an audio that um, you can get when you get the book. There's a link to an audio that you can uh, that leads you through this process. And I, I call it the soul wisdom meditation. But in that situation, you might want to ask the question. You could ask the question the same way. And yes, it would work. Absolutely. And another way to ask it, which I use very readily, would be, again, taking a deep breath through your heart. And maybe for a deeper question, you're going to want to sit there and breathe through your heart and, or listen to my meditation and you'll get really tuned in. And then a really useful question is, what is it that my heart wants for me in regards to this, you know, taking this position or not, or this employee or moving across the we're moving across the country. What does my heart want for me? And maybe you'll get an answer like, um, well, my heart really wants me to be, wants me to be happy or wants me to live somewhere where I feel like I have community. Oh, okay. Um, and so then we might ask another question. Okay. Well, what that, what's that going to make possible for me? That's usually my second question. What will that make possible for me? And all this is in my book. So if you don't have to worry about remembering it, if you don't, and if you want to just write it down, then you'll just have it. 
Uh, and you're going to get the answers that you that start to reveal to you really what you want for yourself, which makes it much easier. Now you've got to purpose, and it makes it much easier to make a decision about something instead of your head weighing all the pros and cons. Does that make sense? It certainly does. And uh, so again, Prima is the multi-award winning author of your sacred wealth code, unlock your soul blueprint for purpose and prosperity. And we'll include all of that in the show notes so people can find out more about the book. And uh, also, uh, I think you also have an Oracle card deck. Is that correct? I do, and actually the, the Sacred Wealth Code Journal, which is a great companion to either or both the cards and the book, has just been released as well. Oh, nice. Excellent. And we'll include that as well. So one of the questions that uh, I'm curious about, Prema, is like, you know, when you look back at your life, uh, was there a moment in your life when you knew that this was like the breakthrough moment for you in terms of success, in terms of like, I, I the, the confidence that, you know, you can really do this for a living or you can really make this happen for yourself and your family. Was there a moment when you really became confident or a turning point in your life and life was never the same again moment? Absolutely. There's been many, but I'll tell you the one that's really relative to where I am now. And that is when, uh, so in 2002, I opened a yoga and healing arts center, having been a yoga teacher and practicing my intuitive gifts and such sort of under the umbrella of that. But I always rented space and had a private studio at home. But I opened this big, beautiful, this brand new building. We built it out um, over 3000 square foot, two studios, practitioners. And we I had the studio open for five years. And during that time, um, this was a six figure in sales business. This We did OK, but I'm not high overhead and such. And I was training teachers and doing a lot in that business, but not enough of the prosperity was coming to me financially. And I was really trying to figure it out because I really knew that I was on purpose, but why wasn't the prosperity piece? What was missing mm. there? And I tried everything. I tried the, all the inner processes, all the marketing and almost got a partner for the studio, but that fell through. Um, almost sold it and that fell through. And then one day I was going to open the door and I kept hearing the word surrender. So I thought, okay, surrender another belief, surrender half of my ownership, you know, but I heard it in a different way that day because I was really in a dark night of my soul. And it really took me to my knees. It was like, no, you need to let this whole business go. Mm. And that was really hard because I built a community. I knew that I was on my path, but I couldn't figure out why it wasn't coming together. And, um, and I didn't want to feel like a failure, you know, <laughs> so I did let it go and I vowed to stay on my knees until I figured this thing out. And what I meant by that is that I really dug into my work as a Vedic astrologer into, um, my beliefs that were not, what was not aligned here. And what I found was that through looking at my chart and doing the work that I was really stuck in the shadow side of what I now call, and then shortly after that called your sacred wealth code, which is based on a very scientific principle in Vedic astrology called Dana Yoga. So that's where your purpose and prosperity planets um, intersect or in a particular relationship with one another, which really shows us where our highest value gifts are in the world. But it also shows the other side, you know, where are you not in alignment with those? And I found that I was really stuck in, two places in particular in the shadow. One was um, overdoing and overgiving. Uh, 
And my value, as I dug into it, this is not really sexy stuff, but my value was connected to that. So I had beliefs to clear there so that I could just stand in my own value with doing what was rightfully mine to do and not everybody's to do. And also in a part of my wealth, another aspect, which there's a body of archetypes that represent these high value gifts in my system. But that was really something I'm really good at, which is administration. And I've been hired by companies to do that. Um, in my younger life, but I, it's not my highest value gifts. I have gifts that are much higher. So when I let go of those things, and I have to say that I continue to bump up against different parts of my shadow and beliefs, and I just keep clearing them out of the way. It's part of regular life instead of stopping me in my tracks and stopping my wealth like it did in those days. But it was a huge blessing I got out of what felt at the time like a big loss, but really like in the fourth pillar in my Sacred Wealth Code book, it's the some of our greatest challenges are unexpected gateway to wealth. And you'll read that in so many great, you know, people have done great things is that, you know, they failed a lot or they, you know, learned something when they really hit bottom. And that happened to me in that dark night of the soul. So within a few months, I was able to rearranged my whole business. I had already let go of the center. I was seeing a few clients at home. I was single now, uh, raising two teenagers because I had lost my marriage during that time. Happily to say that I'm actually married to that man again, but that's a whole other story. Um, and I went online. I went international at the time and I started, I just turned everything around. And the big thing I did was I hired, uh, I hired a team. And I had never really hired a team. And I, you know, started making very good money and turned that into six figures in a pretty short period of time. And, um, and I help other people do that, too. Now, that is a really an inspiring story. So just to recap, what I heard you say was in sometime in 2001, you opened a yoga spiritual wellness center, which is almost 3,000 feet with multiple yoga studios. And, uh, you know, the revenues were great, but the profitability wasn't that much. And that kind of uh, made you question the entire uh, gist of the business. And really, you were trying to figure it out because you reached a point of the dark night of the soul and you were committed to finding out that what was it that you were uh, doing that was different or wasn't right for you. And you found out that you had other gifts, which are higher gifts, that actually was more important than uh, trying to uh, meet your shadow side, which is trying to do all of this. Is that is that correct? Very much so, yes. And then uh, finally, uh, you did uh, crack the code, and uh, that got you into writing a book about your secret wealth code. And then, uh, you know, you identified your archetypes, and now you hired a team, and that allowed you to, you know, get back to your prosperity. And and for those of you who are listening, Dhana Yoga, Dhan in Sanskrit stands for money and prosperity. So... That's uh, really uh, awesome that you did that. So let me ask you this, though. Uh, how long did it take for you to, uh, you know, shut it down and get back on your feet and really prosper? Was that a long journey? Was it a short journey? How long would you say it took you? It took me about six months. It was relatively short. It took me about six months to get on my feet. Mm-hmm. And then it took me about another six months to really, really prosper. No, that's that's really great. Uh, so let me ask you this: people who might be listening to it, and most of them could be, uh, you know, left brain or, you know, even right brain, but more analytical in their approach to life, and they're trying to. This is like a new paradigm for them, right? I mean, they're looking at it. Okay, listen to your heart. Okay, we always been making decisions using my head, and be more logical, not emotional. So 
what, how would you, if somebody came to you, Prima, this is just a hypothetical situation. They come to you and say, okay, uh, help me understand and unlock my true calling, my potential or whatever I'm trying to do. What's your process like? How would you guide them through this? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll talk to you about um, a very, Will, one of my clients. He's um, um, an accountant. He works for a, a very uh, prominent video company. Mm-hmm. And he's also a musician. So he came to me because he didn't know what his purpose was. And he, he had a really great career. But, you know, he had this music thing on the side. And he was just really feeling like, you know, what am I really doing? Even though he's a successful accountant. So... Uh, I took him through a process to discover his, his his purpose. I start with the sacred wealth code. I start with um, giving someone a sacred wealth coding and a sacred wealth code reading so that you understand what your gifts are, where you're held back, where your shadow is right now, but really what your soul is calling you to as far as expressing your gifts, um, as far as your purpose goes. That's, purpose is always what's going to pull you forward. It's the reason why you do what you do and the, what you do can look differently. Um, so maybe earlier in life, like for instance, Will, he was an accountant, right? He actually is really into the company that he works for and the, and the artistic thing that they do. But on the side, after us working together for a few months in the first year, he put out an EP. He's actually now um, another, so two years later, he's now owns his own recording studio. He's still actually an accountant as well because his purpose actually leads him in both of those directions. But I helped him to tune in to really understanding which are the gifts that where he was feeling sort of um, that he was holding back and which the things that he was doing that he was just good at. So some of the part of being an accountant, he was just good at. And part of that he had to let go of too, because he, he got the company to hire someone to do all the detail day-to-day stuff. And he stayed in the big vision part of the accounting because he's a visionary. That's part of his archetype system. And he's also, he's also an artist. Um, so he was kind of bridging both worlds and he has kind of two careers, so to speak. So we got rid of him doing the things that he was just good at. And had he not stepped into his music, mm-hmm. he would be not feeling like he was on purpose because he that is very much part of his soul expression. He, and he writes music and he writes every day. And now he's also helping other people get their music out in the world because he has a recording studio. No, that is, that is such a great example because part of it, like most often people have this idea or notion that it's one or the other. But in this right. case, it seems like you can have a happy medium between, uh, you know, two different aspects of your uh, gifts, like your creative side, which is music in his case, and then more analytical, which is accountant. So it kind of balances it out and it really uh, gives a sense of harmony, if you will, right? So Yeah, and, and some people have a more of a one track. You know, I have a I have a client, Anne, who had been in corporate for a long time and in branding, and she didn't like what she was seeing for many years. And she ended up writing a book called Do Good. It's a great book. Hmm. And really changing um, the face of corporate um, branding and bringing it down to social responsibility in a different way. So let's face it, changing the face of corporate, anything takes a while. And so she wrote this book and that's right when I met her and she came in to work with me and she was a little discouraged at that point because she didn't want to do it the old way. So she stepped out of her old position. So now she's an entrepreneur, right? And that's, that's a whole other thing. If you haven't been an entrepreneur, that's a spiritual path in itself. Mm. And she 
was not being received by the world. Well, she had a lot of fear. And even though she believed these, she wrote this book and had this new way for social branding. She at the same time had some real disbelief in herself that she could be in the leadership position of that. So we got her reconnected with what she was really passionate about, what her purpose really um, felt like it was. And she realized that there were certain organizations that she really felt, you know, that was her purpose to, to end up um, influencing first and helping to steer first. She was really kind of just going with whoever wanted to pay her. And so when she started to say no, she also started to say yes. She actually ended up taking a position, even though she's still got her side of the business and her do good work. She's also taking a position for a nonprofit she's super passionate about. And she's helping them <clears throat> become, um, you know, become profitable and getting their message out in the world in a really big way. But she had to overcome those fears that were keeping her from actually stepping onto her own purpose. She was kind of doing somebody else's purpose. No, that is, uh, that's really a good point, actually, and reminds me of a good friend of mine, Lenora Edwards, who's also a business coach, and she once said that you cannot have professional success uh, without personal development and growth. So sometimes it seems like, you know, you have to go through different phases in order to develop yourself, uh, grow yourself emotionally, spiritually to really uh, do something different. So it's like the heroine's journey, if you will, or hero's journey. Yeah. Uh, so, no, that's really great. Uh, switching gears here, uh, Prima, I know that uh, you like traveling because one of the things I figured out is that uh, this is a story about blue water sailing aboard a 38-foot <laughs> yacht. So tell us about that. Where did you go? Yeah. What kind of travels have you done? What's your favorite place to travel? Yeah, so when, uh, when I married my kid's father, he was a merchant seaman. He was an engineer on a ship. And we lived way out in Idaho, actually, and I had horses at that time. And he was saying how he always wanted to, um, you know, he always wanted to go cruising, get a sailboat and go cruising. And he was about 10 years older than me. And we wanted to have a family. And I looked at him and said, if you want to do that, we better do it now. He's like, really? So we put everything in storage and we went and bought ourselves a 38-foot Ingrid. It's a blue water sailor. It's a heavy, full-keel sailing boat. And we were in Seattle at the time. We refurbished the boat and then we sailed down to Mexico, uh, spent a couple of years in the Sea of Cortez, cruised all down the coast, back up the coast, and then kept our boat in Puget Sound. I had my son during that time. Mm. Uh, and so did a lot of um, free diving, not so much scuba diving because we didn't carry tanks with us, but a lot of free diving. I love to explore it, just being able to go to the different islands. I prefer to sleep on the hook at night. I prefer to be anchored somewhere than just to be on the high seas. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and I love, love, love adventure and exploring and have just explored the whole Puget Sound area. And I love traveling in general. I mean, I've lived in Hawaii. I've lived out in the mountains in Idaho. Um, you know, I've traveled to many different countries. I do love that sense of adventure. And one of the things I love about it the most is when we travel or we do something new, it really calls us to be present because everything is new and different, right? Yeah. So it calls all of our senses forward. And I'm also a big, big advocate of making, bringing that into our everyday life. Like what can you do that's new and different today? Even if you just do one thing, don't take the same roads everywhere you go. You know, don't always go to the same, just even simple things, because we'll see things from a different angle. We have to pay attention differently. And when we're present, everything is, that's where everything really happens. It's right here in the moment. And that's where all the magic of, of life is. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Have you had a chance to go to India yet? Uh, you know, I actually haven't been to India. I had a, a, a there was. I always say that India calls when she calls, and she has called me. Um, she's actually pretty. She's been calling me the last couple of years, so I'll probably go soon. I'll probably go with my uh, my uh, mantra and chanting teacher because she goes every year and takes a group of people. And uh, but um, I was scheduled to go, and then I had a family thing happen where I couldn't go at the time. But I, it's yes, I would love to go to India. Yeah, and I think uh, probably uh, I think you'll enjoy it because it's definitely one of the experiences a lot of uh, Westerners uh, have is like it's an assault on your senses yeah. with colors and spices and everything and it just is a very rich spiritual experience that people just don't get enough of it so no i think uh, you really enjoy it so uh the other thing you mentioned about is uh you know your teacher and mentors because mentors shape us they they guide us they give us uh, a sense of direction when we are looking for one so my question to you is, who were your mentors growing up? Anybody that you looked uh, looked up to, that you wanted to emulate, uh, anybody you know, that fascinated you? It's a really interesting question because my mentors have more been not in the physical body form as <laughs> as in sort of the um, some of the ancient teachers and things. Mm-hmm. My first mentor was my grandmother, and uh, I spent so much time with her. She taught me to cook and garden and make wonderful food from no matter what we had in the fridge and how to sew. And she would listen even when I was 16 years old and she passed away shortly after that. But, you know, I was an exploratory teenager and she would, she was always an open ear and really interested in the experiences I was having. So I felt safe to tell her anything. And she always had, um, she really helped me to develop the trust myself. She really just kind of instilled that in me. And I really appreciate her for that. Um, I've had some great yoga teachers um, in this neck of the woods. Um, Adil Pakivala was um, a yoga teacher of mine for a while. Um, I have been very blessed to sort of have my own, uh, I want to say, um, from some of the greats like um, um, Swami Muknananda was, even though not in his um, I was, he was not alive when we, I'd studied with him, mm-hmm. but he was, um, a, a, a great influence. And, uh, my big astrology teacher is also, um, Dennis Flaherty. Uh, in fact, yeah, I'm on the, the board of Vedic, um, council of Vedic astrology with him as well. And, you know, I love when he walked into my life was, was right before I let go of, um, well, maybe a couple of years before I let go of the yoga centers when I got into Vegas, Vedic astrology. And when I first met him, he was like, well, you need to do this. This is in your chart. And I'm like, I have a lot to do, Dennis. Yeah. He's like, no, no, you need to do this. And I'm like, I, I got a lot to do, Dennis. I don't think so. And he's like, I know you do a lot, but this is really, this is your calling right now. And then I didn't listen to him at first. And then, um, and then he said it to me again and I picked it up and I just, I just, eat up this information and it's a lifetime's worth of information. It's very, very deep and it's a constant study. Uh, and I've never, never put it down. So I'm really grateful to him for that. No, that's great. Uh, so the other question is uh, any, uh, what books have you gifted or reread over the years? Any uh, recommendations for our audience that's made a difference for you? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So again, <laughs> I'm kind of the spiritual geek, you know, <laughs> so, um, a lot of the, a lot of yogic texts and, and spiritual books. Uh, you know, back when I was, I want to say like about 22 years old, I think I stumbled on Wayne Dyer back then. Mm. And I loved, I loved Wayne Dyer in my early years for 
just his way to make, you know, he had his ability to make things practical and mm-hmm. I really appreciated that. So he was um, very instrumental in, uh, um, yeah, in the practical, practical spirituality, I want to say. And, uh, I have also spent a lot of time studying with David data. He does more masculine and feminine work. I've done a lot of work in that realm and a lot of work with couples as well. Um, some of the teachers, um, and some of them, you know, I sort of that grew over time, but you know, Carolyn Mace and kind of in those early years too, she was, um, I really appreciated her as a teacher. Um, yeah, those are some of the few. <clears throat> no, that's great. And we'll include some of that in our notes here. So the other question that comes up for me, uh, Prima, is like, you know, having been through this ebb and flow of life, having seen, uh, you know, the, the the phases of hero's journey, if you will, what would you say is your definition of a successful life or a good life, life well-lived or a happy life at this yeah. point? Um, so... This is something that actually I even explore in the first part of my book and in all of my programs really is, is understanding what your wealth dream is because I believe that wealth is what we need to fulfill our purpose. And the, the point here is that it's the fulfillment piece of it and the deeper meaning piece of it. So purpose to me equals why um, the deeper meaning in life or in whatever you're doing. And then fulfillment. Uh, So a life well lived, I really believe that if we could go back, go to the end of our life. And in fact, when I used to teach yoga, I would do this with people. It would be a a Shavasana um, exploration. And really just imagine that you're at the end of your life and look back. And can you do, are you fulfilled? Have you lived a life that really you feel fulfilled, whether no matter what it is you've done, because that's, really so very personal and that had been, you know, your family that it was fulfilling or there's a piece of work you wanted to put out in the world that's that's fulfilling. And does it feel like your life had enough meaning to you? And I think for me, that's the essence of my happy life is that I, you know, I feel pretty fulfilled and I feel like I have what I need to or I can access what I need to get past my challenges and grow. And I feel like I have um that I have purpose and that I'm giving back and I can look back and say, okay, I have made a difference. And I think that sometimes there's a trap for people in like, okay, feeling like you have to make this huge dent in the world. But I think that if you are reaching for wholeness yourself and you are living in alignment and um, getting past your own um, challenges and your own fears, like if every one of us does that, I mean, we really don't have a lot of problems in the world if we really take care of, you know, really take care of who we are and take care of our family and those around us. So I think it's really having a sense of deeper meaning and which I would equate to purpose and um, and really feeling some sense of fulfillment. Mm, I really like that. It's really about <clears throat> deeper meaning and self-care and a sense of purpose. I think that's that's what I'm taking away from that. Now, that's uh, really awesome. And this, uh, this is a perfect segue into our next section. And and these are some of the questions we have received from the audience. I did uh, introduce you to uh, some of the, my audiences. And uh, so the first question uh, was, what... What is abundance in your words? Uh, you know, a lot of people have this scarcity mindset, right? I mean, they kind of think the pie is limited; it's a zero-sum game, and that kind of a thing. So, what's your what do you what's your definition of abundance, and how would you say one can 
create that mindset. So I believe that abundance is, uh, you know, I could go break it down as simply as looking at the glass is um, always full. Okay. Mm-hmm. Instead of that, it's half, you know, half empty um, that there isn't any limit that I'm unlimited, that there's unlimited resources. And also, I'm also a realist. So like, okay, if there's only, you know, $500 in the bank account today, okay, we can look at that. It might feel like a limitation, but I believe that there's ways to put, you know, many, many times that in the bank account. So I believe it's a shift of perception and believing that there is, um, I also believe this is like, this is a fundamental belief of mine that this is an expanding universe and that our thoughts, our desires, our choices are part of what expands the actual universe. So there is a huge amount of abundance, um, you know, in the universe. And I could equate that to nature as well. I mean, nature is just, it just gives, you know, and it, and it keeps expanding. So I think expansion and abundance are really closely related to me. That's great. And then, uh, it also comes back to the point of, you know, what you focus on expands. Absolutely. if you focus on uh, the limitations of your potential or limitations of what the universe can offer you. And I think, it, I think it was Einstein who said it. The most important question that you can ask yourself is, is the universe working on your behalf or is it against you? And, uh, you know, that can totally be a game changer if you really get that. Uh, now, the second question is, uh, you're also a Vedic astrologer. So the question is here, What's the difference between Vedic astrology and Western astrology? And uh, why is one better than the other? Or what are the pros and cons between the two? So uh, I I believe freedom of choice and people can make their own decision on what's better or not better. But Vedic astrology comes from the Vedas. It comes from some of the oldest spiritual texts over 6,000 years old. It is practiced live today in India. It's been practiced live for over 6,000 years for many, many, in many different ways, from predicting the weather to arranging marriages to helping people understand health-wise what's going on with them. Really everything we can find, some guidance within Vedic astrology, and it's really scientifically based, but it does take an art and an intuitive sense to actually read it. Um, Western astrology comes from the Greco system. It comes from the Greeks. It's about 2,000 years old. And it's not necessarily practiced live in that tradition. And I believe that there's a lot of value in Western astrology, too. I prefer, I I studied Western astrology, and then when I came on to Vedic astrology, it's a pretty complex system, but I found it to be much much more accurate. And uh, I was able to look deeper into many different things. And I also found it to be more practical. The way we keep time in Vedic astrology is a little different. Um, we look at the sidereal zodiac as opposed to the uh, tropical zodiac. Now, we're still looking at the same constellations, but it's kind of like looking at it from a different viewpoint. And when I look also where the planets are by transit, they are where we say they are in Vedic astrology on an astronomy level. I, find, I just find the timing to be more true. I also find the... Um, and again, I'm not saying that Western astrology, it's totally valid and has some great points about it. I just, this is, the Vedic system just resonates more and I just find it more useful. Uh, and we keep time a little bit differently. Um, and that just has to do with where, where Aries actually starts. It's not very, like typically in Vedic astrology, if your sun sign, let's say, is Aries in the Western system, it may end up being, um, 
Pisces in the Vedic system. There's a few degrees difference as far as time goes. Oh, that's great. <clears throat> the other question is uh, <clears throat> uh, your sacred wealth code. And one of the things that is highlighted in your book is about archetypes. So how many archetypes exist? And can you give us like a quick uh, yeah. summary of the archetypes and uh, maybe their most important attribute? Yeah, absolutely. So there are 23 archetypes. Uh, there are three for each planet and one for the north, one for the south node of the moon. Uh, Vedic astrology also doesn't look at Neptune, Pluto, and Uranus as being, being inner planets. They are outer planets. They have a, they still exist, and they still have a little different value, so they're not included in the sacred wealth code. Uh, I used to tell people about their gifts, and then the archetypes kind of showed up, to tell you the truth. And I was so grateful because, and as I really dove into them, um, and started to articulate them, uh, I was able to give, when someone has their archetypes, they could make um, it so much more personal. So for instance, when I say the teacher or the engineer or the leader, uh, there's a story that opens up for each and every one of you that's very personal. The archetypes themselves are all very, um, they have, they all have a mantra which is like the leader, a lead from the heart. They all have a soul desire, which is for the leader to live up to your highest potential and guide others to theirs for the greater good for all. They all have a purpose to live in the present, free from the past, and to create an ideal future. And they also have a shadow side. And for the leader, it's arrogance, narcissistic, addicted to power, and over-controlling. They all have a list of high-value gifts. Won't read all those, and they all have an inspired action plan. Now, they also all have a, a very healthy description, um, but very readable, of, of what a leader is, what kind of careers might work for a leader, and also have a description of the shadow side, because, again, a lot of our gifts are locked up in the shadow. So the... Um, Archetypes actually stem from, there's a lot of uh, mythology and archetypes in the Vedic system from the Eastern tradition, but I'm a West, I live in the West and I speak mostly to Westerners and I speak English. So, and I'm very practical. So when the archetypes kind of showed up on the scene, uh, I was grateful that they were, came the way they came because they all embody very true to the planet and its mythology from the Eastern tradition, but described in Western terms. That's mm, really great. <clears throat> and one of the questions that uh, I'm dying to ask you, and you mentioned that earlier, is uh, trusting. Trusting you is something that you're trusting the process which your grandmother taught you. So wh what was that like? How can one learn to trust their process, trust the Tao, if you will, or yeah. trust the intuition and the gut, right? So what would you suggest that one can start doing in order to get, get some mastery over that process of trusting? Yeah. So, you know, everyone could probably think about something that they've done recently that they sort of knew, ah, you know, I really, I, I knew really what to do in that situation, but I didn't really listen. And you could probably also think of something that you really did kind of listen in and, and you trusted your gut on and you went for it and it worked out well for you. And it's good to look back at these things to see where you have trusted and where you just didn't trust. But later on, you saw, oh, you know, I was really right on about that because that helps build some confidence there. Uh, tuning into your heart, your heart will never lie to you. And the more you tune into your heart, 
the more you start to understand your own inner language and you'll be able to get more sensitive to just sort of feeling the nudges in the moment, but also give yourself that quiet time. And I really suggest daily spending a few minutes. And that's one of the things I love about my soul wisdom meditation. It's about 12 minutes long. And again, I, I give a link to it in really all my products actually. Um, and being able to just take a few minutes, tune the world out, get your mind and your heart to merge together and then also do, do some inquiry while you're there. And then the big thing is, is after you find out what it is your heart wants for you today, just a simple question like that. And what it'll make possible for you kind of gives you the why you would do it, the purpose. The last step is always, what's one inspired action I could take that would support me in what my heart wants for me today? And when you write that down and you put that on your calendar and you move your feet and you take that action, that inspired action, whether it's calling someone, whether it's a walk on the beach, or whether it's starting that book that you've been meaning to start for the last 10 years, you start to trust yourself. You start to trust that you'll actually follow through and you see what happens when you do. I really like that. That's great. <clears throat> you mentioned your uh, one of the other products that on your website is, uh, besides the Oracle card deck, is your journal. So the question is, what are three powerful questions, if you had to like, you know, pick just three, let's say for the sake of conversation here, that they can ask their heart or they can ask their soul, what would you recommend those three questions be? Yep. Number one is, what is it that my heart really wants for me today or really wants for me about a particular situation? What does my heart want for me? Mm. Okay. That's a, and there's a particular, there's a, um, there's a reason we ask these questions in this way. Uh, and I, another one that I just made um, that I just said was, well, actually, I'll, I'll use this one. Um, the one I used earlier, if I tell myself the truth, and it can be about a particular thing, if I tell myself the truth about this, that's the back door to the soul. You will bypass your mind on that question if you just take a moment in your heart. And the third one is uh, what I just mentioned. What's one inspired action I can take? And you ask the questions to your heart, not to your head. Like the question is a pebble we're throwing into the pond of your heart. And when that question lands, you sit back and watch the ripples in the pond and you wait till something arises. If you do not get an answer, do not worry. It's like that your soul is just going to ponder on that question and you'll be surprised. You pick up a book, you see something, someone says something to you or the answer just pops in within your day. Trust the process. I love that. So what does my heart uh, want to, if I tell myself the truth, what's possible? And then what is one, one good act, inspired action I can take? Right? And when we say inspired, remember that's in spirit. Um, inspired, instead of just an action, your mind jumps in. Inspired, your heart jumps in. in inspired, your heart jumps in. No, that's great. Excellent. So uh, we're going to switch gears here and do the third section. And this is pretty much a rapid fire round. And I have a few a fun question to ask of you. And so my first question to you is, are you ready? I am. <laughs> All right. So the first question is, who's your favorite music band? Oh, gosh, that's a hard question. <laughs> okay. Uh, Michael Franti. Hmm. The second question is, what? whose brain would you like to pick? Albert Einstein's. Hmm. The next one is, do you believe in magic? I do. All right. And then the other one is, if you could have witnessed one event in history, what would that be? Oh, my gosh. You can give me a second on that one. 
You know, I really would have liked to hear um, and witnessed uh, Martin Luther King actually in person. Mm, great. Then the other one is, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? How could I be even more in alignment with my soul, with my purpose? Ah, I like that. And here's a hypothetical situation, Prima. Let's say we had a time machine and you could go back in time and talk to your young self. What advice would you give her? I would tell, I would give her the advice that it's okay to ask for help. Nice, nice. Seek help. Excellent. And one final question within the rapid fire round, and that is if you could have any message of your choice on a billboard, let's say Times Square, right? It could be a quotation, could be a, a book, could be a simple message, could be anything that you want people to remember. What would that be? Your heart knows the way. I like that. Awesome. And then I've got one final three questions for you, Prima. The first one is, what is your current personal business passion project that you're working towards in the next six months to a year from now? Okay. So, uh, boy, so many, so many fun things. (laughs) I am... Uh, the Sacred Wealth Journey, which is a, I have several programs on that I work with many different levels of this work in. And the Sacred Wealth Journey is just launching as we speak, which is a great step once you've read the book or um, done the cards and you want to take the next step uh, before maybe committing to Business Academy or something like that. The other thing I'm working on is I used to teach a lot of retreats and I'm stepping back into that in this next year. I love to take people on a deep journey. Um, an adventure at the same time and dive deeper into purpose and prosperity uh, along the way with um, sort of more of a, uh, I want to say a high end retreat, not too many people going somewhere really beautiful. And so a safe place to, to really dive into their soul, realign their purpose. Um, sometimes people come out creating a new business for themselves. Sometimes people just get, you know, get aligned um, or are starting the next passion project for themselves. So that's, that's, that's this year for me. No, that's great. So it sounds like uh, that would include yoga, meditation, exploration, and everything. Yeah. And a lot of fun and dancing, of course. Dancing and also also some really practical work. Yeah. Yes, great, great. Sounds very exciting, and I wish you all the best on that. So the other question is, how can people uh, reach you? What are some of the websites, social media that you uh, are on? Are you on Facebook, Twitter? Yeah, uh, the the easiest way to reach my website um, is sacredwealthcode.com. I made that really easy. That'll get you on my web, my main website. And take my Sacred Wealth Code quiz when you get there. It's free. It'll tell you one of your archetypes um, if you want reading or check out any of my services. And I also do high-end VIP client. Um, I work with a few people every year uh, very deeply. And so that's all on sacredwealthcode.com. You can get there that way. I am on Facebook. You can find me at Prema Lee Guerreri. And you can also find me at, at, at Prema Lee Guerreri on Twitter and Instagram. Excellent. And we'll include all of that in the show notes as well. So it becomes easy for people to find you. Uh, the next question is, what are three things you're grateful for in life? I am incredibly grateful for, I have four children, um, an amazing husband and sisters and father i'm just really so so grateful for my love for my family and that we're very very close i'm just really incredibly grateful for that i'm grateful for 
uh, I want to say the the privilege of doing the work that I do, getting to to go in deep with people and help them to realign and calibrate because I'm really, my purpose is to live from the inside out and to help others to do that. And me, I'm really wired up to stand behind those um, either poised to make a big difference or ready to shift the way they make a big difference. I'm kind of that ripple behind the big wave. And I just and feel very privileged and I'm grateful that I get to do that because I make a bigger difference in doing and being that. And I am just really grateful to be living on planet Earth at this particular time. It's a very important time. I think all of us chose to be here. It's an interesting time, a challenging time, but I think the choices that each and every one of us make at this important time in history um, to where our whole culture is going um, is very important. I think we all really chose to be here at this time where we can complain about it or we can step up to the plate and really give our gifts because I think that's what shifts our paradigm. No, it's beautifully said. So, Prima, I would like to uh, take a few moments here to acknowledge you. One is <clears throat> hearing you hearing you speak and talk and share your life story. One thing became evidently clear is that you you're living a life inside out, and your mission is to help others live uh, the same way as well. And one of the things that stands out as well is that regardless of the ebb and flow, regardless of the tough times that you've encountered in your life, you always went back to figure it out. What were the lessons that you could take away and, you know, not give up and uh, give up on life and not give up on uh, pursuing your highest calling and finding out what your gifts are. And it's uh, no wonder and it's not a surprise now that you're helping others find and unlock their soul's blueprint. So, Thank you for doing what you're doing, and thank you for being who you're being. Thank you so much, and you're absolutely right. It's so much about who we are being more than even what we're doing. And I would also want to thank you, Cal, for the work that you're doing in the world because you're, you know, you're doing amazing work with people, and then you're doing this where you're highlighting other people who are doing amazing work. <laughs> it's really, I mean, you know. So thank you. My pleasure, and I appreciate that. And one final question, and this is how we wrap up all our interviews, and that is, why do you think people should listen? to the wisdom of friends. I'm sorry, say it one more time. Yeah, so why, why do you think pe- people should listen to the wisdom of friends? That's the name of the podcast. <laughs> wisdom of friends, gotcha. <laughs> um, I think that we should listen to any wisdom when and it, when it really rings true as wisdom. And, you know, one thing about wisdom is that it's, to me, one of the definitions is it's knowledge experienced, it's not just information. It's 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 either a, a path you've walked or somebody else has walked. And that's one of the beautiful things we can look at our past and say, okay, what did I learn from that? That's wisdom. When we can gain the wisdom from that, and when we gain the wisdom from other people's paths too, boy, we can just we can just grow so exponentially. Great. I like that. So again, thank you so much for your time and uh, amazing conversation. I really enjoyed it. And for everybody listening, with that, we'll wrap it up. And if you like what you heard, please share. Don't be shy. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Carl Aras. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to wisdomoffriends.net to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. We hope you'll pass along our web address, wisdomoffriends.net, to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section on the website for previous episodes and subscribe on iTunes. Rate and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank Thank you. you. This has been a 7 Symphony. Production. Join us next time for another edition of the Wisdom of Friends.